I want to talk a little bit today about giving um, to God. And I kind of wish somebody, when I was, you know, just getting started off, had just kind of just laid this all out there for me. Just like, here's what, you know, here's what it is. So, you know, in like the plainest terms I know how, that's what I'm, uh, I'm here to do. Because I'll go ahead and tell you that the last thing um, that really went, I guess, for me in my spiritual walk with the Lord was, was giving of my finances. A uh, long time before I actually really started to do anything other than throw in five, ten, you know, the occasional $20 bill every once in a while. Um, it was a long time before I did that. But I do remember specifically, you know, just setting the amount. I don't remember what percentage it was. I don't think it was 10%. But I was like, you know, $200 a month, you know, it's going. This is my year. And I think I made it like 10 out of the 12 months. And um, I just remember it at the, at the very end of the year. Something really weird just happened at, at my work where they said that, uh, you know, we're going to get paid for all these little meetings that you thought you weren't getting paid for. And that check came out to like $2,000. And I was just sitting there thinking, you know, like, oh, this is exactly, well, you know, what I gave, you know, in tithes and offerings and stuff. And here the Lord is giving back. And it was like he spoke to me right then. He's like, you know, Adam, I don't need your money. He said, you know, he said, this is not about me having your money. This is about your money not having you. He said, you thought it so hard to part with this $200 a month, and you thought of all the junk you could buy that you wouldn't, that'd probably even be useless right now. And um, from that point on, I remember I could, I could trust God. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, you give to God, he gives it back to you. He does, but not all the time monetarily, sometimes spiritually. And, you know, it's just, it's just different. You know, he, he gives it back to you, but usually not like how you, would, how you would expect. But when you give to God, okay, there's, there's a couple of things we've got to go through first. First, you give with the right motive. Your motives have to be right. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 1, Take heed, okay, just be very careful that you don't do your charitable deeds before men, okay, to be seen by them. You know, and uh, a lot of people, you know, that's, that's what they do. You know, I, I think about these talk shows where they'll give out a bunch of stuff, you know, and I'm like, you know, I wonder how much they do in private of that stuff. You know, like, sure, on the show, while millions of people are watching, oh, look how, look how generous Ellen is. You know, look how generous Oprah is. You know, I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's cool, and I'm glad they do all that. But, you know, it's obviously to be seen by people. It's on, you know, it's on television. And that, that's cool that they do that. If, you know, they also do it in private, we don't know if they do that or not. Um, but be careful that you don't do it so that you'll be seen by men. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay, So one of the reasons we give, I give for a reward, definitely, but from Him, whatever that may be, will be ten times greater than whatever I gave up to receive that reward. Therefore, when you do it, okay, when you do it at Lifeline Community Church, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. Now, apparently, back in the day, they would actually do this, you know, like, blow the trumpet, look, I am about to give, and everybody would be like, wow, look what a generous man that was who's given all that money away. And Jesus says, hey, that's what hypocrites do, to which all them people that did that probably was like, who does he think he is to say that? For they love to stand in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory 
from men. That's exactly what they were shooting for. You know, like, I want everybody to say, what a generous man that is, and look how godly he is. And Jesus says, assuredly, absolutely, I tell you the truth, that they have their reward. If that's what they're after, that's the reward they give. That's the word they'll get. So, once again, when you, Lifeline Community Church, when you do a charitable de- deed, whether that's giving your time, your money, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, obviously, when I read that, I'm like, well, that's impossible, you know. And I'm like, okay, left hand, I don't want you to know what this is doing. So this is some sort of like hyperbole that he's saying, you know, in the best that you can, you know, keep that so between you and God that even your own mind won't be able to get puffed up with this like, Wow, look, you know, I'm really generous. Look at that. I wrote a check for $200. I wonder if anybody else in here wrote a check for $200. Like $200. Like you could get that going on, you know, in your mind. So, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Keep this between you and God and leave it at that. That your charitable deed may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly, which is what we should all seek. So give with the right motive. Also, give with the right heart, okay? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, backing it up a little bit, he had said this first, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, when you think about small commandments, you know, you might think of what we just talked about. Okay, well, so what? Somebody Saw me do that, and they, they liked that. You know, it seems like such a small thing, you know. But, but he says, you know, if, you, if you're just not faithful in these little small things, we are very adamant, a leadership team and all this kind of stuff, is being very faithful in the smallest of things. Because if you'll be faithful in the small things, the big things just kind of seem to take care of themselves. So, you know, be careful with these, what we would consider small commandments. Now, because whoever breaks one of these shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, this is what we want to shoot for. So, next verse. For I say to you, this is Jesus, I'm telling you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, to which everybody would have gone, oh, how do you be more righteous than those guys? I mean, look, they just announced with a trumpet how much they gave. You know, like, that's probably, you know, kind of the way thing. Unless your righteousness exceeds that, then you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, Jesus almost like made this, man, this is impossible because those guys are like the best rule keepers ever. You know, how, how can we live up to that kind of standard? But then Jesus goes and he says, I want to show you, and he's preaching to these Pharisees too. He says, I want to show you the kinds of stuff that they do. And in the next verse, he goes on and he says this, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Now he's talking about small stuff, right? So to us, that would be like big thing, like murder, like, whoa, you know, that's, that's a huge thing. And so what these Pharisees would do is they would say, you know, hey, you don't murder somebody. As long as you don't actually pull the trigger, as long as you don't actually pull the knife, as long as you don't actually kill somebody, you're good to go, okay? That's kind of what they were teaching at the time. And so you've heard it said, 
from these Pharisees who y'all think, who you think are like just the most righteous people, okay? Who you were like gasping when I said your righteousness must exceed theirs. He said, you've heard it said from these guys that you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And you know, the Pharisees will be like, yeah, that's exactly what we teach. He said, but I'm telling you, okay, that whoever is angry with his brother. Now he's equating murder with angry, which, you know, all of us in here are like, well, man, I've certainly been angry with somebody so bad that I thought about killing them, but I wouldn't do it. You know, but whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Okay? And then he says, whoever says to his brother, Rekha. Okay? Now, I've read that for years, and I never knew what in the world that meant. But I kind of looked it up, and the best I could tell you know, from the original meaning of the word was it was like a word that came from a place of superiority. Okay? Like, I'm looking down on you. I'm looking at my brother as like, I am better than you. I have more resources than you. Obviously, I'm more blessed than you. So it came from a place which is why he says, you shall be in danger of the council. Some translations say the courts. You know, which to me kind of means, you know, like you look at somebody like that, you treat them like that with contempt. You could be in danger of somebody maybe suing you, especially if they think you have access to some money. So, you know, you shall be in danger of some stuff maybe happening to you down here. But whoever says you fool, now you fool comes from a place of hatred, a place of I'm angry at you and I would like to do harm to you. You know, you are a fool shall be in danger of hell fire. You know, to which, once again, wow, you know, because I've called somebody a fool. I've been that mad at somebody. And, you know, it doesn't say you're going to hell. It says you're in danger of it. You need to recognize this inside to make sure your heart is pure and clean. Okay? So what does that have to do with giving? Here it is. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar or put it in the altar offering plate or however it is you do it, and there remember... That your brother has something against you. You know, maybe you've said Raka and you've acted better than somebody. Maybe you've called somebody a fool because you are flat out angry with somebody. Okay? Leave your gift there. Okay? Don't, don't give it yet. You know, don't put it in there. You know, this is serious stuff. You know, this is something that, that seems so minor that we're trying to make major today because we want the blessings that come from the Lord in our giving. Leave your gift there and go your way. First, be reconciled. I was wrong. Listen, I know I acted like I'm better than you, and I'm sorry. I'm not any better than you. We are saved by the same blood. You know, listen, I know I was angry with you, and I said some stuff I should not have said. I am sorry. Are we right? Are we okay? Can we start over? Bam. You are right. Your heart is right. Now, then, come and offer your gift. Okay? Very important. Seems like such a small thing. But we need our motives to be right, and we need our hearts to be right when we give. Not if we give, when we give. So that leads to another question. How much do we give? Okay? You could go anywhere with this, and this is what I'm going to show you. Now, now obviously, when people think of tithing, what percent do they think? 10%, okay? And that comes from Leviticus chapter 27, verse 32. Concerning the tithe of the herd 
or flock. Okay, so when this is kind of, uh, this is not actually the first mention of it. I'm going to mention that one in the second one. But when they first, you know, kind of for the temple, for, for all the kind, when you are flat out, when you're given to the Lord, the tithe of the flock, whatever passes under the rod. So you imagine a uh, shepherd pulling all of his sheep, you know, back into his pasture or whatever he's bought. Now, basically, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, bam, that one's holy unto the Lord. And I know there's some reports also that some of them would kind of get somebody to make sure like the tenth one was like not the most healthy. Or, you know, they'd be like, make sure the best one wasn't like a multiple of ten. You know, there was like ways of kind of manipulating this. But, you know, the Lord's like, no, you just let them go through the tenth one, sick or well or whatever it is, the tenth one shall be holy unto the Lord. They are separate. And for the most part, what they did was uh, give the tenth one to the tribe of the Levites. And then the Levites would take their tent and give a tenth of that to the priests who were actually, you know, residing over the church and all that stuff because they didn't do the work of the Levites or the priests didn't really do the work like everybody else did. So that's where the tenth come from. So that's where we say, you know, we make $10. You know, how long does it make you to make $10 an hour at work? You know, so bam, you know, the tenth one is holy unto the Lord. You know, when you get your check or whatever, just move that decimal one place to the left. That is a, that is a tent that is set apart as holy unto the Lord. So that's where we first get the 10%. Okay, And we, as you read throughout the Bible, I kind of went on some serious rabbit trails with this. Uh, in Amos, you know, Israel was kind of overemphasizing the tithe. It's almost like we were given the 10, now God kind of has to do this and that and the other. You know, they were almost like overemphasizing it. But then like by the time you get to Malachi, you know, just before the New Testament, they're kind of neglecting it. And Malachi's getting on to them and saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. You know, test me in this and see if I will not open up a window of heaven that, that you won't be able to contain the blessing that pours out of it. So they go back and forth, you know, kind of through doing the right with the tithe and doing wrong with the tithe. Um, but as a whole today, the church is basically neglecting it, okay? Um, right now, Okay, I read this, uh, 5% of the United States tithes. Okay, that's the whole shebang. It's all of them. One out of 20 person, one out of 20 people attempt to give a tithe to the church. Okay, and it's about 10 to 25% of the people tithe in a normal church. Okay, 25% kind of being, you know, the high end of people that actually tithe in church. And, get this, this, was a, this is a stat that kind of blew my mind. Right now, Christians, you know, the, of the ones who tithe, they average 2.5% of their income, okay? So they're given about a fourth of the minimum that we find in the Bible. One-tenth is as low as it goes as, you, as, as we're about to see, okay? Now... Two and a half percent, right? During the Great Depression, somebody obviously did some stats for it. It was 3.3%. Okay, so here we are kind of prospering, you know, like we are giving less than they gave in the Great Depression. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of thought that was, that was interesting. Okay, so 10% is the, is the minimum required because we could jump it to 20%. Look at Genesis chapter 47 
Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. And and obviously, this is a type. Joseph is a type of Jesus when you look at all that kind of stuff and all that he did and then compare it to what Jesus did. Pharaoh is kind of a type of God who kind of owns it all. And, and, you know, when you certainly see, you know, Jesus is Lord, you know, and God is owning everything, you could certainly apply this. He says, uh, indeed, I've bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. It's really all his, even though you get to steward it. Look, here is seed for you, and I want you to sow the land. I'm buying you this stuff. I want you to go to work. Here's your payment. But here's what he says. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. One-fifth. So we're up to 20%. And I guess if you wanted to, you could say, hey, look, by this story right here, you should give 20% of your money. Four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field uh, and for you for food for those of your households and as food for your little ones. You know, there's an example of a 20% Tithe, okay? Now, it's all pretty low in the Old Testament. And some Christians will even say, well, you know, tithing's kind of an Old Testament thing. You know, now that we're in the New Testament, you know, we really don't, we really don't have to give at all. Well, let's look at a couple of examples, okay? In Luke chapter 19, in the next verse, we're talking about Zacchaeus. You know, the wee little man, the wee little man was he. And he stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half. Whoa, 10%, 20%, 50%. I give half of my goods to the poor. And here's the thing. He was a tax collector. so He probably ripped some people off in his day. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I'm going to give them back four times what I took from them. Okay? So it's like I'm giving 50%. Then on top of that, if I've ripped anybody off, I'm going to multiply what I stole from them by four. Okay, and I got my own story to tell with that, but I'm not ready to tell that. But one day, one day, I'll keep you wondering. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. So, you know, I guess if I really wanted to, you better give half of your money if you want salvation to come to your house. Okay, 50% tithe. Because he also is a son of Abraham. He was a Jew. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is Lost. I just want you to see this picture of salvation for Zacchaeus. You know, once salvation came, money was was not nearly as important as what it was. Knowing Jesus is the greatest thing I have in my life. You are Lord. I know now that all good things come from you now. So half my money, I'll still have plenty left over to do everything that I need to do. Glad to give it. Not a have to. I want to give the 50% tithe to you, Lord. Okay? And then... The last one, you know, that I see is the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18. So when Jesus heard these things, he said, you still lack one thing. So you got this rich kid coming up to Jesus saying, hey, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, hey, you know the commandment. And he's like, I kept all these commandments since I was a little kid. Okay? And so Jesus is about to attack him in the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he's about to like just totally annihilate this kid on the first one who said, Oh, I do them all. I keep every single one of them. So Jesus, when he heard this guy boasting about how good he was and how you know, he's already 
you know, like Jesus because he's sinless. He says, when Jesus heard these things, he said, you still lack one thing. Let me tell you what you need to do. Sell all. Now, what percent is all? A hundred percent, okay? A hundred percent tithe here. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come on, follow me. This guy was giving him the invitation of a lifetime, but this guy didn't see it as that. He saw it as poor and being broke and having nothing. Because when he heard this, he was sorrowful. You know, when we get an invitation for Jesus, for us to come into the kingdom and follow him, that should be very joyous unless you have other gods besides him and unless your God is money. He was sorrowful. He could not give all away for he was very rich. Okay? Now, all of us, you know, you have to decide between you and God and your family, what are we going to give? You know, what are we going to give? I'm pretty sure that my 200 number that I came up with at first was like 5%, okay? And I just started there. I said, God, I'm sorry I can't do the 10, but I'm going to start at 5, and I'm going to add a percent every year till I get to 10. You know, you worked your way up, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we should be percentage givers, and I think you need to give to a church that you, that you trust, that you feel is very transparent, that you feel has nothing to hide that's one thing that I will promise as I'm here and all my days here that we will run a clean budget that anybody can look at anything we ever do. You can know how much I make. You can know how, what we spend. You can know how much we give to everything. You are going to have access to know absolutely everything because Tanya and I, when we were visiting, filling these churches out, we went to several that we liked. But when it came to us giving our money, you know, they'd give these little sheets that would vary blank us. Hey, can we have like a detailed report? No, we don't give that out. Why not? What are you you trying to hide? You know, it just automatically gave us a red flag. So because of that, we will always be very transparent in what, what we spend on and what we do. And we'll pray over it monthly and say, Lord, please help every penny to glorify and honor you. Okay, so whatever the percent is that you give, okay, whatever it is, you need to be very, very careful. And Acts chapter 5 shows us why we should be careful. Now, in this whole Ananias and Sapphira thing, for years, I thought it was half. I thought they gave half and they kept half, okay? But as I read it and I read the different translations, there's no percentage given. And I think this is why. A certain man named Ananias and Sapphira with his wife sold a possession. Okay, this is what all the new Christians were doing. They were giving up their stuff, getting money, giving it to the poor, okay? And so Ananias and Sapphira did this. And he kept back part, okay? What part? Did he give 90%? Did he keep 10? Did he give 50 and keep 50? Did he give 10? I don't know. We don't know the percentage. All we know is part. And I just gave you a ton of stuff where we could justify all these percentages if we really wanted to. Okay? Nobody told me that growing, you know, growing up as a, or as a young Christian. I wish somebody had a you know, part. You know, give part. Set aside part as unto the Lord, knowing that the minimum that the Bible gives is 10%. The maximum is 100 Okay, So somewhere in there, 
find, you know, your groove and, and, start, and start giving. So he kept back part. We don't know how much, okay? And his wife was also aware of it, okay? And I can't imagine how Tanya would look at me if I said, hey, listen, we sold this land for 10 grand. You know, let's give five to the church and let's keep five for ourselves, but let's tell the church it was all of it. She would be like, are you a moron? What are you thinking? No, or don't you fear God, man? And you're a preacher? You know, it would just be a crazy conversation. You know, before I brought it up, I'd already be convicted. I ain't telling her that. So if I don't want to tell her, certainly I don't want to tell God. But they obviously had this conversation, okay? His wife was being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But pretending it was all, okay? Peter said, he knew immediately. You know, I don't know if it was his countenance. I don't know if God just like, man, is there lying? I don't know. But Ananias, why has Satan, Satan, like you are bringing the, the evil emperor of hell into this? Like here's a guy giving something, right? All right, I'm going to get crazy here. All right. It's like, here's a guy giving something. Surely he's not full of Satan, right? No. No, this is where we go. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Satan has filled that guy's heart. Okay? You'd think if Satan filled his heart, he wouldn't give anything. But he says, Satan so filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, who you know knows everything, right? And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. And here's what he says, dude. While it remained, it was yours. And after it was sold, it was yours. You could do what? you wanted to. It was in your own control. So just be honest. We'll gladly accept this part if you'll call it this part, but definitely don't even attempt to call it all. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men. You know, you did this for the glory of men, but you've lied to God, Ananias. And then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. God was sending a very harsh message to a very young church. You know, you be honest in your affairs with the Lord. Do it with the right motive. Do it with the right heart. And whatever percentage it is you give, you hold yourself to that standard and be good stewards of it. Do it right. Okay, do it right. 